Welcome to the NPTE Final Frontier Podcast, helping one student at a time. Visit NPTEFF.com to enroll today so you can pass tomorrow. Thank you for joining us here on the NPTE Final Frontier Podcast. My name is David. My name is Nick. Today, we'll be discussing hyperparathyroidism and hypoparathyroidism. So to start, it could be helpful to review the parathyroid gland itself prior to getting into hyper and hypoparathyroidism. So the parathyroid glands are located on the posterior surface of the thyroid gland, which functions to secrete parathyroid hormone, or also called PTH, and in turn can regulate calcium and phosphorus metabolism. More specifically, we can review the increased release of calcium and phosphorus from bone, increased absorption of calcium with excretion of phosphate, and finally, the promotion of GI tract calcium absorption. Now, two disorders of the parathyroid gland are what David and I will be discussing today of hyper and hypoparathyroidism. Typically, these disorders result from various diseases or pathologies or even surgical procedures. Let's dive into hyperparathyroidism. This is excessive secretion of parathyroid hormone, which is also known as PTH. This can lead to disruption of calcium, phosphate, and bone metabolism. As Nick made mention to earlier, the primary function of parathyroid hormone is maintenance of normal serum calcium level. In hyperparathyroidism, we see elevated levels of calcium and decreased serum phosphate. Increased serum calcium leads to demineralization of the bones and accumulation of calcium in the bloodstream. Increased serum calcium also causes renal stones. Hyperparathyroidism is most common in women with incidence increasing with age, especially over 60 years old. One of the main causes of hyperparathyroidism would be a tumor of the parathyroid gland which would lead to increasing secretion of parathyroid hormone. Another main cause would be of hyperparathyroidism would be renal failure. Renal failure causes hypocalcemia and stimulates increased parathyroid hormone production. Due to hypocalcemia, hyperplasia of the gland occurs as it tries to increase the blood serum calcium levels. Now let's look a little bit into the clinical signs and symptoms of hyperparathyroidism. This is important as many body systems are affected by hyperparathyroidism. As for the central nervous system, a patient would present with lethargy, drowsiness, slowed mentation, depression, paresthesia, occasionally glove and stocking distribution of, the sensory, of sensory loss, hyperactive deep tendon reflexes, and also fatigue. The musculoskeletal effects would include proximal muscle weakness, muscle atrophy, arthralgia, myalgia, gout, pseudogout, bone decalcification, which would be bone pain, especially in the spine, pathological fractures and bone cysts. Increased parathyroid hormone secretion causes excessive osteoclast growth and activity within the bones. Osteoclasts are active in promoting reabsorption of the bone thereby releasing calcium into the blood, leading to hypercalcemia. Calcium loss leads to bone demineralization 
And over time, bones can, be, can become fragile, leading to pathological fractures that we mentioned before, deformities of the spine, and compression, uh, compression fractures of the vertebral bodies. If uncontrolled, osteoclasts can cause lithic bone lesions. As per the GI effects, the patient may present with nausea, vomiting, anorexia, constipation. Hypercalcemia stimulates hypergastronemia, abdominal pain peptic ulcers, and pancreatitis. Now, just to refresh your memory, hypergastronemia is the release of excessive gastrin hormone that stimulates secretion of gastric acid and pepsin in the blood. GU effects. This would include hypercalcemia, polyuria, polydipsia, uh, renal colic associated, to, associated with renal stones. So increased parathyroid hormone secretion leads to increased serum calcium levels. Large amounts of calcium and phosphate are excreted from the body. Excretion happens through the renal system, thereby leaving calcium phosphate deposits within the renal tubules, which is the nephrocalcinosis. Because calcium salts are insoluble in urine, kidney stones composed of calcium phosphate develop and can lead to severe kidney damage. All right, thanks, David. So when we review hypoparathyroidism, we're referring to essentially a hypo functioning of the parathyroid gland. And this can bring about a decrease in that PTH secretion. Hypoparathyroidism can occur secondary to idiopathic and autoimmune presentation removal, infections, or injury to the parathyroid gland itself. One may think of abnormally low serum calcium and high serum phosphate levels to be associated here. Now, in terms of clinical presentation, we can start with hypocalcemia, which is just referring to a decrease in blood calcium. And this can be due to that the parathyroid hormone functions to regulate the balance of calcium and phosphorus in the bloodstream. This can happen by increasing bone resorption and calcium absorption by the GI, along with inhibiting phosphate reabsorption in the renal tubules. So now when there's a decrease in PTH, bone resorption and GI tract absorption is slowed, serum phosphate levels increase while serum calcium levels can decrease, and then potentially lead to complications such as severe neuromuscular irritability. So that will lead us into the presentations related to neuromuscular and the musculoskeletal effects. And those can include muscle weakness, possible muscle spasms, paresthesias, tetany, spasms of the intercostal muscles and diaphragm, which may lead to a more compromised breathing situation, twitching or spasms of the facial muscles upon facial nerve tapping, irritability, anxiety, depression, and seizures. Cardiovascular effects could include possible arrhythmias that could be life-threatening, along with possible development of heart failure. Integumentary effects can include dry, coarse skin that could also present as scaly or pigmented, a possible increase in skin infections, thinning of the hair, along with brittle, ridged nails. And finally, gastrointestinal effects can include vomiting, nausea, diarrhea, or constipation, and abdominal pain. Now let's break down some quick differences between hyper and hypoparathyroidism. Hypoparathyroidism may present with decreased bone resorption 
while hyperparathyroidism may be more related to increased bone resorption. Now, hyperparathyroidism can be correlated with an increased serum calcium and decreased serum phosphate levels, while hypoparathyroidism can be correlated with decreased serum calcium and increased serum phosphate levels. And finally, hyperparathyroidism can be more related with a presentation of decreased neuromuscular irritability, while hypoparathyroidism can be related to a presentation of increased neuromuscular activity. Here's a quote for you warriors from Jimmy Dean. I can't change the direction of the wind, but I can adjust my sails to always reach my destination. That is so important to remember as you prepare for this NPTE. Thank you very much for listening. We appreciate your support. For more information on NPTE Final Frontier, please visit NPTEFF.com. You can also check us out on all of our other social media platforms, such as Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We hope this episode discussing hyper and hypoparathyroidism was helpful, and we look forward to you joining us here next time for the NPTE Final Frontier podcast. Thank you.